And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday, the 21st of... Why Why am I already getting the... The, the evil grim, eye? The, the evil I've been gone three weeks. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And the open still hasn't changed. Yeah. We're not planning to change it. This is, a, this is our little homage. I'll tell you what. When Brittany leaves, we'll have Brittany do an open, and we'll, we'll then play that open. Yeah, but I mean, Bonds the whole time he was here, right? Had the open, right? Now he's gone. Yeah. So why do we need Bonza here? Because I I like the thought of Bonza. All right. Do you on. like the thought of Bonza, Brittany? Yeah, I like the thought of Bonza. I just saw him last week too. But well, see, that's maybe the, we'll I, see, I actually I like the thought of him in Virginia. Yeah. Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the thought of them here. Now you're now you're thinking along yeah. the same wavelength. <laughs> anyway, welcome aboard uh, April 21st uh, for two hours of baseball talk called The Bat Around. Yeah. With Stan the Fan. You know, he pronounces it, Bonza, in that opening, was Stan the Fan's The Bat Around. Uh-huh. I, I never heard it with such rhythm before, you know, right. The Bat Around. I always called it The Bat Around. It's very different. The Bat Around. Right. The bat around. Okay. Anyway, okay. anyway, uh, we are here, and that face you're seeing on Facebook Live. If I could only share it, here we go. Now I think I just did. I have shared it. There we go. There you go. Um, getting the hang of this uh, social media thing after two years. Um, Craig Heist is back in the house, and it's good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too. And uh, we've just been a little all over the map with baseball. And uh, also the Capitals. Yeah, you've got the Caps and the, and the Wizards, Wizards going, all so. in the playoffs and, and all the And the Nationals. Right, and we, we, when we get done today, we're heading back down to Capital One Arena for Game 5 between the Capitals and the Blue Jackets, and that so, series tied at 2-all. Now, that series is taking on a very different appearance than most of the Capitals' most recent playoff series. This one, they've fallen behind. And now got momentum. They well, seized momentum. Right, but they did last year. The Maple Leafs but wound up winning that series in six, I think, and right. then wound up losing in the second round. So, I mean, to, to win a first-round playoff series is that's not right. unusual. Last year, last year they had a right. world of trouble with Toronto. Well, that's because they were an up-and-coming team yeah. and a lot of speed, a lot of youth. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, again, this is going to all depend on – how Braden Holtby plays, I think, the rest of this series. And then, obviously, you take your chance in the next series. Now, the next one, uh, the Flyers wound up staying alive last night, beat the Penguins 4-2. to two, So that series is now 3-2 Pittsburgh. And uh, that goes back to Philadelphia now for Game 6. Who's the real good player on this Columbus team, number 9? Because I heard uh, the guys on, on Comcast were talking about all, all the – Caps have to do is halt, you know, halt that guy. He scored a big goal the other night in game two, I think it was. Real tall, lanky uh, forward or winger. Uh, let me okay. think. No, he's like, I thought he was their star player until you until you don't seem to know. Well, there, there are about. a few. There are a few. Right. On that team. And again, uh, 
Bobrovsky, obviously their goalie is one of the one of the big keys in the series for them because uh, he was pretty good uh, in games one and two. Right. But again, if I and a lot of a lot of happened in that series from the standpoint of everybody thought Barry Trotz was making a mistake with Grubauer starting games one and two, or at least starting game one. And I understand that for about a, a six-week to two-month period of time, Brayden Holtby had his issues, but and, and Grubauer played very well in his place. But mm-hmm. by the same token, you're looking at the guy who's gotten you to where you've gone right. a lot in the last five years. So I'm not so sure, and I told people this, I, I, I wouldn't be so sure that I would not have started uh, Braden Holtby in game one. And then if it went south, then use Grubauer. Well, they, they, they replaced Grubauer uh, at the end of the second period in game two, and okay. they lost both those games at home in overtime. Okay. But uh, since then, uh, Braden Holtby's been, been very Lights good. Lights out again. Yeah, All right. Again. Anyway, and the Wizards get a big win last night after getting kind of blown off the court in Toronto. Well, they kind of blew Toronto off the court yeah. last night. They shot 55%. Uh, to the to the Raptors, forty five. The Raptors didn't make as many threes last night as they had up in Toronto, uh, but I think on the defensive end it was much better uh, for for uh, the Wizards last night. And they have to come with that same kind of effort tomorrow. You know that game's at six o'clock tomorrow. Uh, to to get it tied up to go back to Toronto. All right. Anyway, if you have uh, joined us on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, we would appreciate it if you'd like us and share us. Uh, That's how we build up uh, the audience on an endeavor such as this. Uh, Stan the Fan and Craig Heist, here's what we've got for you on the show baseball-wise today. Our friend Steve Garland, who's back for a third season. We just can't get rid of him, and we love it. Uh, the proprietor of Big Bats Cafe. I know you enjoy that place when you're on your way down to the Eastern Shore in Stevensville. Steve Garland joins us to give us our first Bay Bridge traffic report of the baseball season. Rich Dubroff of PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com joins us about a little after 1020. Then the great Hank Allen joins us, longtime baseball scout, the brother of Richie Allen, and also a noted horse trainer at one point in his career. I'm not sure if he's still training any active racehorses, but he's on as much to talk about the Astros and baseball this year, uh, or this show, as he is to preview the Kentucky Derby with us, which is two weeks from today at uh, Churchill Downs. Then an old friend, um, not so much of yours, but of mine, he was an intern of mine back in the mid-'90s when I was doing talk on WCBM, and he's gone on to much bigger and much better things. <laughs> the last five years, he's been the uh, director of marketing for the New York Mets. That is Mark Fine. He's going to join us, talk about Mickey Calloway. Um, and uh, we're not going to get into asking him, uh, you know, sort of decision-making type questions because he can't speak for the club and the baseball side. But Calloway looks like he's got quite a... I call it an opportunity here with Matt Harvey acting out and Matt Harvey basically after his game against Atlanta the other night, I'm not sure you know this, but you follow it pretty closely. They Callaway must have alluded to, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to put him out again as a starter 
the media went over, and normally you Buck would never do it that way. Buck would talk to the right. player first. I have a feeling Callaway, knowing what what he's dealing with, sending a message sending a bit, a, sending a message, and then everybody descended upon Matt Harvey, who acted like the southbound end of a northbound jackass. Mm-hmm. Um, and and basically said this is after he gave up six runs in the first three innings. His his quote was, "I'm a starting pitcher, and I think the way I pitched in innings four, five, and six proved that I'm a good starting pitcher because I can get people out the second and third times. What about the first time? Well, and if you're down seven to nothing at that point, it doesn't right. make much of a difference right. now, does exactly. it? Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, to get back to what you were asking me, I think it's uh, Artemi Panarin you were talking about because yeah. Uh, he scored the game-winning goal in the overtime in Game 1. Right. I think that is who yeah. it is. Anyway, we're going to talk to Mark, though, about the need to get off to a good start from a marketing standpoint, and we're going to st- talk to him about Mickey Calloway, and maybe vis-a-vis, I think Aaron Boone was a much more heralded selection in New York, and it looks like the Mets may have gotten themselves one of these game-changer type managers in Mickey Calloway. Could very well be. I know uh, health has always been the mm-hmm. issue with that team, uh, and and if and especially to their starting staff. Right. Now, you can, you can obviously look at David Wright over the last few years. It's been a shame. It, it's been a shame what's happened in his career because he's such a good player, and he could put up and some— And by all intents and purposes, from what I hear, a great guy, too. Great guy. He can put up some fabulous numbers and has throughout his career— uh, but this neck issue with him uh, has it's just, terrible. you know, it sidetracked his career. He probably won't play again. That yeah. would be my guess. Uh, but from that standpoint, uh, it's always been about health, especially to their starting pitching. And uh, if you can keep those guys healthy, they can be right there with the Nationals or the Braves or whoever decides. Or the Phillies. Or the Phillies, whoever they decide. Wants Not to, the Marlins. Wants no. To, no, wants to contend in the National League East. All right. And then one more guest, Mike Gibbons, reached out to me yesterday to let one wants to let folks know that the um, Mount Rushmore of Maryland sports exhibit is starting today down there at the Babe Ruth birthplace. Ah. So we'll have Mike on at about eleven twenty. And then we were unable to hook up with our normal eleven thirty guest. Not that he's on every week, but Bill Latson can't be on. So you and I are going to kick around, look at my baseball power rankings in that last half hour of the show. Brittany has somebody online with us. Are we ready for Mr. Garland? Yes, we are all set for Mr. Garland. All right, and welcome in again, Miss Brittany Everett. Joining us right now is the guy who luckily we can't get rid of. He's one of the original sponsors of the Bat Around, and that is my friend Steve Garland, the proprietor of Big Bats Cafe in Stevensville, Maryland. Steve Garland, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome, and thank you for having me, and good morning. Well, we appreciate uh, you're doing a little business with us to help us uh, stay on the air and pay Craig Heist uh, the huge dollars that he deserves each week. <laughs> so what do we? Well, make- I know that's a lot of big bucks there. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot exactly. Of big bucks. You yeah. have no idea, Steve. Yeah, yep. Uh, <laughs> before we talk uh, about big bats, uh, how about the little bats of the Baltimore Orioles? It's been a little depressing, hasn't it been? Despite a big win last night by the home team. No, I think that's probably the biggest problem we're having is we're not doing any timely hitting and we're really not batting well. We have, I guess, Manny and maybe one or two other people that are showing up to plate, but the rest aren't. 
uh, you know, you watch the Orioles pretty closely. Is this just – was this predictable in your opinion? I mean, is this the way this team is trending, or is this a, an anomaly? No, I don't know if it's – I just think in baseball you go through cycles. I mean, I the one guy I was watching a lot is Jonathan Scope, and he's very aggressive, and he's not thinking the baseball terms of when you got the bases loaded and no outs, you don't swing at the first pitch high and inside. So uh, there's a little bit more discipline needed, but I think hopefully – I think the warm weather might help a whole lot, and uh, so that's what we got to plan for and hope for, and they, you know, they learn from their mistakes, and they'll be a little bit more patient and try to go after the pitch that they can do something with instead of – uh, doing what they have done lately. So I give uh, on my post game uh, talk shows the after bird watching on Facebook Live. I give my opinion almost on a nightly basis with one of the most frustrating contracts in the history of the ball club, Chris Davis. What are your eyes telling you about Chris Davis prior to the contract and post contract? Well, you know, he was definitely in the groove with me before the contract, and he was hitting well. I think today, I just think his mind is everywhere where it's not supposed to be. I get crushed at the restaurant here. I'll he'll get ready to get up, and I'll be yelling at it. Just don't think, man. <laughs> just swing at the first three pitches, you know? Yep, yep. At least make up your mind that you're going to swing the bat. And he, it just seems like he has trouble doing it. And even, and it's like even when he gets a nice hit in the game, he still looks – just doesn't look like he's following through and keeping his eye on the ball and different things. It's just so many things he's probably doing wrong. But I'm sure if you're a professional and we have a hitting coach and all that, they they got to be working on that every day with them and trying to get it straight. So uh, they were kind of using last night saying about he had a, the injury in spring training and they were trying to use that as excuse that's holding him back a little bit. But uh, well, I, I wanted think most to, of it's up in his head. I wanted to ask uh... – Craig Heist this. I don't know if you saw after the afternoon game, the, the one of the losses in Detroit. I forgot whether it was a Wednesday or Thursday game. Rick Dempsey alluded to the fact that when you – because he says, I've never seen a hitter with his talent seem to not pick up a fastball right down the middle. And he alluded to the fact that, you know, if you, if you look at a hitter, their head is upright. He said when Davis's bat goes down, his head – kind of tilts and which I had never really noticed and they kind of showed it and he says if your head's tilting maybe that's why he says you know and he's got a hitting coach there that sure knows a lot about it that maybe that has something to do with it I'd never heard that notion put out there before could be I just know that uh, players go through long stretches at times and certainly this has been a long stretch where you may not see the ball quite as well as you'd like to uh I think he's swung the bat pretty well the last week. Uh, has some has some hits to show for it. Uh, went two for four last night. Had the had the ball off the wall in Detroit. That uh, almost was a home run. A uh, couple of walks. And then he had the home run the next and day. And then he had the home run the next day. Uh, to the opposite field, yep. which again is a good sign because everybody talks about trying to go the opposite way and beating the shift. Uh, I I am. <clears throat> a little bit disturbed, or maybe I'm just hearing it so much, about the contract and how much, whether or not that weighs on him Mm -hmm. or not. And I'm sure to some degree it does. 
Uh, but but the contract. You and I should have that problem, Greg. Well, we every, should have that every problem. two weeks at the you, back. You mean you mean getting paid a lot and not performing that well? <laughs> yeah. All right, good enough. We've got the not performing we, we've got, well. We've got part. the not performing well down down to a science. But I just get tired of fans who who yell and scream and moan and groan about this contract. In where if you go back to before that contract was signed, all you heard from fans were. You gotta have Chris. You Davis. gotta have Chris Davis. They'll never pay him money. This, that, and everything else. But, but all and that's then, and wh- then they sign him. Yeah. Along with J.J. Hardy at the time, and there was one or two others. That, O'Day and they gave Weeders the big. Yeah, the uh, the uh, qualifying offer. The qualifying offer. Right. So you know, I always tell fans, look. You can't have it. You can disagree nobody's, with the way nobody's you saying can that the, Nobody's with, criticizing the club directly. Well, let me finish for a second. Well, because you're going in a direction <laughs> no. that that's really not the point. But I'm saying you the, can the, have you can have your thoughts on whether or not they spent the money well or didn't spend it well. But have that opinion at the time of that contract signing, not two years down the nobody's, road. Nobody's disagreeing with that. What we're saying is there's a point of demarcation where the guy was productive until he signs the contract. That's the point we're making is did the contract affect him? Not not our fans, fair weather fans. We know that. Well, the only person that can answer that truthfully is Chris Davis. Right, right. So I, well, I, don't, was, I don't expect Davis to come out and say, you know, I signed that contract. I want to live up to it. It's really been a burden right. on me. So that leaves it up to us to talk about. They call yeah. this show Stand the Fans Bat Around. I understand. Right. All right. Hey, well, listen, yes. I would like to see Chris Davis, though, when he gets up to bat and he looks pretty bad by watching the ball, like we just talked, the third strike going right down the middle of fastball. Yep. The, 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 the look on his face. And the nonchalant walking back to dugout, like, oh well, here it goes again. No big deal, you know. I like to see him get a little bit more frustrated with himself too. You know what I mean? Well, he's yeah. broken a bat over his knee already. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Well, but you know, we don't. You know, those just... bats are pretty expensive. Steve. That's right. <laughs> hey, Steve. Yeah, well, one I, thing. One thing know. the three of us can all agree on is that Big Bats Cafe is the place to go when you're heading down to the Eastern Shore or whether you're coming back from the Eastern Shore. You can stop in Stevensville, Maryland at 216 St. Clair Place for very good food and uh, great sports ambiance there. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the Bay Bridge traffic right now over there in Stevensville. You can see the bridge from your place. Hey, well, the bridge traffic is no problem today. It's kind of a little bit early. Uh, Mother Nature in spring has kind of slowed itself down and not coming as quick, so there's not as many people anxious to get to the shore right now. But uh, that could change everything as well. That could change in a heartbeat, couldn't it? A few 80 degree days and you're there. Yeah, like like yeah. Last weekend was beautiful for two days and then back to normal. It looks like long range forecast. We got to get into May before it starts getting warm. So we'll. Hopefully that comes soon. Well, one thing about Big Bats, though, it's the place to go to watch Orioles games, Nationals games, and this time of year, playoff hockey and basketball. How have the crowds been for especially the playoffs? And don't forget at the end of May, yeah. you're going to have the lacrosse final four, I'm That's sure. That's right, right yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's pretty, doing very well. The Caps crowd has been very big at night, so uh, so uh, hopefully they can – Stay in that for a while, which will help drive some business. It will make us very happy. But, you know, the Caps are always the Caps, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. I like that. Uh, was there much of a crowd last night? Seriously, for Scherzer, we know it starts late. 
but Scherzer against Kershaw, were many people there to watch that? Uh, there was a few, but it, like you said, late night is yeah. not the, the norm for right now, so uh, it gets a little bit warmer, you know. All right, again, we're proud to have back on the air with us for the bat around and also inside press box, Big Bats Cafe, 216 St. Clair Place in Stevensville, Maryland. It's Ken Island's original sports bar. We've just been listening to Steve Garland, uh, the proprietor, and uh, they got great burgers, sandwiches, soups, and salads. Sports ambiance beyond compare. Steve Garland, thanks. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks, all right? Hey, sounds good. Let's hopefully a couple weeks. We uh, We're Maybe t- the next two weeks we'll win uh, nine games. Well, we certainly got, other than this series against the Indians, we certainly got the schedule to do it, playing some of the other also-rans, Kansas City, Tampa twice, and Oakland. So we've got the teams that we need to face to to make up a little ground here. That said, they went out to Detroit and lost three straight. I know that. <laughs> you weren't supposed to say oh, that. Oh, all right. <laughs> Hey, no, but Detroit, Detroit, you know, yesterday came back. They don't look, they don't look like they're going to be a bad team. I'm surprised the way they look. Yeah, and the only time they're bad is when Shane Green gets in the game because well, he's on my fantasy team. The Red Sox <laughs> up a home run to Luis Sardinius. The Red Sox right now is set are 17 and two. Unbelievable. So if they go another 17 and two, that's going to be 34 and four. Right. And that's very close, close to, to equaling 35 and, five. 35 and 5, which was what the 84 Tigers uh, accomplished the year after the last time the Orioles won the World Series. And if that happens, it's not going to make any difference what the rest exactly. of the AL East does. Exactly. All right, well, Stevie. Yeah, have a great day, guys. Thank Good you, warm. buddy. Appreciate it very much. Talk to you later. All right, there Bye. is Steve Garland. We're going to make our connection with Rich Dubroff in just a moment uh, to join us on the bat around. A lot of good things last night, though, out, out of the Oriole game. They built, <clears throat> the, Number one, they beat a good team. They beat a really good pitcher. Yeah. Dylan Bundy, for the fifth time, was absolutely fantastic last night uh, through his six innings. The pitch count was up there a little bit, but nonetheless. That, that's got, the one refinement he needs in his game is but, to be at 90 pitches to get that seventh inning in. Exactly, but when he throws and gets over 100 pitches after six, yep. part of that had to do with what he did in the first inning, which was minimizing the damage to one run. Right. And that, to me— I did not see that inning because I was at an event last night, a, a Chesapeake Bayhawks event, talking about mm-hmm. their new stadium— that they're trying to get underway in a sportsplex on the Crownsville uh, State Hospital property uh, over there. What happened in that first well, inning? Well, or should I mean, we was, let Rich Dubroff tell let, us? Let Rich Dubroff tell us because uh, the sequence of events I'm not quite sure about because obviously it was the, you Wizards, were at the game. Wizards game. But, I mean, to, to, to throw that amount of pitches, to get out of it with only one run, that allows Manny to come up and hit the home run to tie it. And then on a three zero pitch. On a three zero pitch, yeah. So what's he thinking on that? I mean, uh-huh. I, I know he, throw, he throws the fastball right down the middle, and man, he didn't miss it. All right. Well, joining us right now is our uh, beat writer for the uh, press box and pressboxonline.com, who covers the Orioles, Rich Dubroff. And Rich, neither Craig or I, in our hosting chairs here today, saw that top half for the first inning where Dylan Bundy minimized the damage. Can you talk? First of all, welcome in. And secondly, can you tell us sort of the sequence of that inning? Well, I think the most important thing was a chance Cisco um, didn't field a uh, foul, a pop. Pop foul right. that uh, Jason Kipnis hit, and uh, you know it was in front of the dugout. It was ruled no. It was ruled no play, but uh, you know he should have made the catch. If he makes that catch, 
then uh, Kipnis doesn't get on, and then there's no run. And so then is there another that, that, is there the another most, pop no, that's up? That's the that, most important thing. But was there another pop up that? Beckham, yeah, well, there was the Beckham. There was a play that um, that was ruled foul. It could have been a hit. It could have been a hit. Right. But uh, that Beckham and Francisco cross signals on. Okay. But to me, it was the you know it was the first one. How many? That, uh, how many? It was extra- a Cisco one because then if they if, if that play's made, then you know then the inning's over. How many extra pitches do you think it cost Bundy? Ten, twelve? Yeah, I don't know, seven or something. Okay. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure. All right. But so maybe. Still, um, you know, he, the good thing was he got he got he got stronger as he you know as he got going, and uh, you know his best inning was his sixth. Well, and maybe maybe the difference between him going six and that that was great where he you know has the strikeouts there in the sixth inning uh, to finish up that inning. But then maybe that's the difference that first inning and the pop ups that that's the difference between him going six or maybe seven. Well, you know, if the offense had gotten you know had gotten him some runs, then it would have been uh, you know it would have been you know would have been irrelevant. But they you know they had a struggle. They were facing uh, a to top, get the, uh, you know, to get the to, to get the three runs. So, yeah, they were facing you know, a top tier pitcher. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they just really haven't been, you know, they've, they've scored ten runs in the five star in his five starts. So that's you know that's not going to be good enough. Are you surprised, Rich? At and I mean I know there's some injury issues, but are you surprised overall by this offense and and not being able to really get anything going consistently uh, since the season began? Well, part of it, and I, and I know it's the same for both teams. I, I think that you know, power hitting teams are harmed by the weather, mm-hmm. and you know, the offense is not a diversified offense. And there's two, you know, uh, their their best hitters, Mancini and Machado, and of course, the hope is that Mancini's, Mancini's not going to miss too yeah. much time after he banged his knee uh, last night. But the feeling is that you know they. But the, their best hitters are, are hitting well, and the others are, you know, not. Um, and you know, the, the offense is not diversified. There aren't on base guys. Uh, so, I mean, the, the the season has been not an obviously not a good one so far. I mean, they're right now at a pace where they would lose about 113 games. Right. Which uh, I know Orioles fans hope is unsustainable, but you know the the first twenty games have been uh, you know have been very very bad. We're talking with Rich Dubrov covers the Baltimore Orioles, and uh, Rich, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do know about Trey Mancini's injury. He slid into the sort of the um, third base left field wall on the side there and got underneath that padding. Uh, what did he? What did he get punctured there as well? By yeah, something? He got, he, yeah, and then they were going to give him apparently a couple of sutures, and hopefully it's not you know, hopefully it's not a uh, a long uh, injury. You know, it's not an injury that's that an injury that'll manage itself within a few days uh, because uh, they obviously can't afford to 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 lose him. I mean, they're already down. Uh, two regulars, Mark Trumbo and Jonathan Scope, and then to you know Trumbo should be coming back soon. But uh, you know those knee injuries can be you know knee yep. injuries can be tricky there. Yep. So he did look we'll, like he was. Uh, in- we'll learn more. To, we'll learn more today. But you know I know his, his knee was his, you know his he knee was-, was wrapped, 
after the game last night, and they were examining it. So uh, I, uh, I, I would, you know, he wouldn't be playing today. I'm sure. Yeah. But well, he looked uh, to be. He looked to be, in, you know, hopefully it won't be more than a couple of days. He looked. If it to, is, then uh, you know, then then that's trouble. All right. Well, he looked to be in a good deal of pain last night. Let's let's uh, look at one aspect of Dylan Bundy. Uh, there's no question he's been the Orioles' best starting pitcher. Uh, and the the projection starts to get into that he might be the closest we've had to an ace since Mike Messina left here after the 2000 season. Is is the next goal, the, the next peg up the ladder for him, is it to, to work on that pitch count just a little bit where he can regularly go seven, seven and a third, seven and two-thirds, instead of six being his sort of top point? Well, certainly you'd like to. Certainly, that's something that you'd like to see. I mean, remember last year, he uh, he, he finished the whole game. You know, he, he had his first complete game that one hitter. No, but so, I mean, on the whole, uh, it, it would cer- you know it would certainly augur well for them if he could get uh, you know if he could regularly get seven innings. Uh, hopefully, the whole you know the, the the weird thing is Stan that the starting staff looks you know. Looks not so bad right now. Right. Um, I mean, Gosman, the last couple of starts have been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Kashner, uh, other than his first start, he's been good. Uh, Alex Cobb obviously has not been good, and Chris Tillman has not been good. But that that starting pitching is better for the Orioles than it was last year. Yep. And the the, the record as a whole is much worse. Uh, so that's uh, you know. That's interesting and and it's troubling, but I think that once Alex Cobb you know gets his sea legs, uh, and I, and I think really to me it shows the importance of a of an entire spring training. No question you know, about it. Because I I know with hitter with hitters it's different. They can sort of uh, sign and then a day or two later start hitting, but pitchers have to work into it. And he was he's adjusting to. You know, a new team, new infielders, new catcher. Uh, even though it's still the AL East, I think that I, I think that that hurt. And uh, hopefully, hopefully for them, um, you know, his next start will be a lot better. But you know, if Cobb can be a good pitcher, I think that you know, I think the record can get turned around somewhat. Rich, the one thing I run into all the time on social media over the last two weeks is. And you've known me long enough to know that my patience is not always at is not always the best at times. But well, I, no, I've I've always uh, I've always thought you were a very patient man. Okay, well, the one thing that I'm losing my patience with are all these fans calling for Buck Showalter to be fired because of the way this season has started. Or whether the whether, coach, whether or it's the a pitching coach. Well, yeah, but whether or not. It's because he went the first two weeks of the season with Chris Davis as the leadoff hitter, or whether it's because of the man he moved to shortstop and putting Tim Beckham at third base, who's not accustomed really to third base. And we know in the Tiger game the other day out in Detroit, in the one inning, he basically cost them three runs by not errors made, but mental errors in in not getting plays taken care of that should have been taken care of. Yeah, I um well 
there people are always when teams lose, people are always going to be uh, always going to be blaming the manager. And I think that the Davis move was actually an interesting move. He was trying to get him. He, he was trying to to get him to do something that he hadn't done before. And you know, I'm watching last night. And lost in it. Davis had a couple of hits, and he he's going the other way. Yeah, you know he's not just trying to, he's not just trying to pull everything. And you know, and early in the season or during spring training, I said, well, I thought that the the Machado move to short and Beckham move to third would be a non-story because certainly in, in spring training it seemed that you know it seemed that way, but uh, it hasn't you know it hasn't worked out. But you know. I think Machado is a better shortstop than Beckham was. Mm-hmm. Well, and nobody's, nobody's more, arguing. And shortstop's a more important position. But nobody's arguing yeah. that point. The difference is that you've now is the totality of the left side of the infield better defensively, and I think it's clearly not better defensively. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, in, in talking to scouts, they think that Beckham is going to be. They think that Beckham is just basically learning a new position. And is going, to, you know, and is going to be okay because he works hard, and you know he knows what he and he, and he knows when he does something wrong. Uh, but also, I don't know how long Machado is going to be with the club. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be interesting because I think if they end up trading him in July, you know, do they move Beckham back to shortstop? Uh, I mean, the whole. Right now, the the whole club doesn't look very sharp. Nope. You know, I mean, last night it was kind of last night was maybe their crispest game that they played since opening day. Uh, but that, that's because you know that's because starting yeah. pitching was good, and you know the offense came through when you needed it. But the whole club just doesn't look just doesn't look crisp. And part and it, I don't know maybe it's it's me watching because. The weather is bad, and, and and you know it's not as much fun to watch games for, for for the fans or for the players to play in when the weather isn't good. And I'm just going to be interested to see how they how they play once uh, once the weather gets nicer. You, you know? just um, you just alluded to this uh, the potential of a Manny Machado trade. CBS Sports, and I know these websites. I mean, CBS is a reputable website, uh, but they already have it down that. Boy, the way they, the Orioles are off, there's a great likelihood that they'll trade him. And they were even projecting that it might make sense for the acquiring team to really push, and I don't know who that acquiring team will be, but to push for this deal, a deal, to get him like maybe by June first or something like that. Um, well, could you see? Part this? of it is, yeah, Stan. You know, right now the season's twenty games. In, mm-hmm. And they're six and fourteen, and you know people can say, "Oh well, they're all these games behind the Red Sox or whatever." I'm I'd be worried about the record and worried about the number of games under five hundred. Because mm-hmm. um, if they if they have another twenty game stretch like this, and they get to the quarter point, and they end up and they're fifteen games under five hundred, well then the season's over. Yeah. I mean, people can people can say, "Oh, the season's over now." Well, the season's not over now. They put themselves into quite a hole already. Mm-hmm. But if they get themselves to the point where they're 15 games under 500, then they got then they they're going to have to start making 
um, bigger you know, decision. Well, and the other quick, the other point quick. to that the other point to that, Rich, is with the Red Sox at seventeen and two, and I just told Stan, I said if they have another stretch of seventeen and two, that's thirty four and four, and I said, and that's not too far off thirty five and five, which is what the eighty four right. Tigers. The were. difference was though back then there was one wild card team. If the, if even a wild card no. team, there was no, there were no wild no, there were no wild, wild no, card just, teams. Now you've got two wild card teams. So I'm right. not I'm not measuring us against the Red Sox. I'm more measuring us right now against the Yankees, even though Toronto's ahead of them, saying, boy, if we're within four or five of the Yankees, there's a good chance we can still contend. Uh, your thoughts right. on that? And what, but I think that this next, I think the rest of this homestand is critical. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, because, and I think the next 20 games are critical because if you get, when, once you get to that quarter point, you're going to know, well, gee, is, is this team really definitely not a contender? Uh, and if it's definitely not a contender, you can start, you know, making those, making those hard decisions. But I don't know right now what the market for, you know, Machado would be. Mm-hmm. It, the, the, the market for Machado may not define itself until the end of June, beginning of July, when more teams see whether they're, you know, contenders or not but if they make a trade for machado i think they're going to have to get some major league ready infielders back yeah no question about the farms it's it's been clear that the the uh that they're not really very many good um infielders in the uh in the orioles minor league system well at least not ready for the major at least not major league ready yeah Yeah. right or close to major league ready the guy the guy that they were hoping would have been the utility infielder, Steve Wilkerson, mm-hmm. uh, is under uh, you know suspension. is under suspension yep. for drug use. So uh, and he's not going to be uh, able to to be a factor till around June first, probably because he's uh, fifty. You know he has a fifty game suspension. So speaking, uh, you know that was somebody that I think would have been up. Excuse me to to help the Orioles. Maybe even would have made the team. Uh, out of spring training. Speaking, uh, and then, uh, but I, I think that they they didn't have enough good uh, options for a utility player. Well, speaking when, of uh, when speaking, went down. speaking of that position, uh, one of the guys I know you're fond of personally, and that's not really a, an important aspect of this, is Ryan Flaherty. Did the Orioles just become a little too cute with Ryan Flaherty and almost take for granted? that we were always going to be the only suitor for him uh, because they clearly did have interest in bringing him back, but they just would never guarantee the same things that other teams were willing to guarantee. Well, they had two opportunities to bring him back. And in the first opportunity, uh, they just felt that what he had uh, wasn't worth what they wanted to pay. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they didn't think, you know. I guess last year he made 1.9 million uh, in his uh, in in a year where he didn't play very much, and this year they didn't think that you know he was worth that much. And the Phillies went and gave him a minor league offer that was better and it included an opt out. Then when he took the opt out, the Orioles wanted him back. Right. But basically, they chose to keep Danny Valencia. Uh, they could, you know, it would have been either put Ryan Flaherty on the team or put Danny Valencia on the team, and they took Danny Valencia. 
All right. One of the and, and they want you know, and and the Braves offered him a major league deal. Yep. Well, and he's playing there with his brother-in-law, uh, Nick Martin. Right. And and if they had offered him, if they had offered Ryan a major league deal, he would have been back with the Orioles. So that's, the, I mean, that's the explanation there. Last question for you. We talked about some tough decisions needing to be made if, if twenty games from now uh, we're in in sort of the situation we're in now. Uh, they won't wait 20 more games to make a decision on Chris Tillman as a starting pitcher, will they? I, I don't think so because I don't know. It, I he's, he's had three rough starts, and they skipped a start. And now, you know, today he gets start number four. Uh, if if it's another rough one, it's, then it's getting you know, I don't know what they're yeah. going to. I don't yeah. know what they're going to do. Mike Wright has not pitched well. No. Mike Wright uh, was in that position until Alex Cobb signed, uh, and he hasn't pitched well in relief. Uh, you know, they could go they could go to the minors and uh, try David Hess yep. uh, or uh, Jeffrey Ramirez. Uh, the, they could try those, you know, they could try those guys. Uh, well, one but, guy they won't uh, be trying is Nestor Cortez. And by the way, no, our, nor, our, nor 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 Hunter Harvey because he's not ready, you right. know, because he's not ready yet. But one of I mean, a, if this was July or August, they could think about Hunter Harvey. But he's just getting started now. One so of our, it, it's a it's you know it's vexing. But I think that if they could get Alex Cobb going, then you know then the fifth starter spot doesn't look so. Uh, it looks. It, it looks look still so looks rough. pretty bad every fifth day. No, but I, uh, I, I'm 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 not necessarily ready to throw Cobb under a bus. And, you uh, know, nobody's saying that. Yeah, but I'm. But we're I mean, ready to throw Chris under the bus. Well, though, that that we're ready to do. He's looking bad. It, it, it looks bad, but I mean, in Cobb's situation, I mean, you're talking about I, sp- halfway I, through spring training. I think for him the club right made a terrible decision. They they rushed him to the majors, but they didn't rush to sign him. Right. So they created this issue. Uh, by the way, our mutual friend Mike Shallon up in Boston did the research for me. I'm asking both of you guys take a guess. I asked the question on my post game Facebook Live show. I wonder if any other major league pitcher had ever given up his first two home runs given up being grand slams. Has it been done? And take a guess by how many people? Rich, has it been done I, before? I, I, my guess is yes, it's been done by. Four other people. Okay, go ahead, Craig. I think probably three other people. How about if Mike Shallon looked talked to baseball stats? It's been done fourteen times. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's pretty wow. amazing. The only one he the name he could give me was Joe Smith, but he wasn't sure if it was this Joe Smith right. that's out there now, you know, okay. for Houston. Anyway, or, Rich, or the one that used to play for Maryland. Maryland right. Right. <laughs> Hey, uh, always a pleasure to have you on. I'll see you out at the ballpark later this afternoon. What time's Bucks uh, presser today? One thirty. Uh, one fifteen. Yeah. One fifteen. All right, I'm going to try and get out there. All right, I'll see you soon, All right, Rich. Thank you, Stan. Thank you. Thank as you, always. Yep. All right, there you have it. Um, he was talking about Manny Machado yeah. and, and the contract year, and you brought up the CBS uh, story. Com, yeah. You know, story about maybe by June. Yeah. Well, both guys are in their walk year. Machado right now, six homers, 16 RBI, and hitting 338. 
Bryce Harper down the road, eight homers, 19 RBI, 286, but Harper's OPS is 1,150. That's pretty good That's the last pretty time good. I looked. All right. By the way, Machado's on base percentage in the 440s, I yeah. think, right now. We're going to take a timeout right now, and when we get back, we'll be joined by the one and only Hank Allen, one of our favorites. When I think about things that have over-delivered in my life, I think about blueberry pie Oreos, I think about the first Kingsman movie, and now I think about hammer and nails in the Owings Mills Metro Center. My first trip to the ultimate man cave nirvana blew me away. When I got there, I went to the back room. Oh, this is where the magic happens. I got my first ever manicure and pedicure treatment. It was so relaxing. I understand why a lot of guys actually fall asleep back there. The seat was custom crafted for my comfort. I had a flat screen in front of me with noise-canceling headphones so I could watch whatever game I wanted to and I was even sipping on a nice adult beverage. Then I went out and Tracy hooked me up with a really stylish haircut. She took care of me with the shampoo treatment, the hot steam towel. You can even get the close edge razor shave all at Hammer and Nails Owings Mills. Memberships are available. They make a great gift. On Mondays you can rent out Hammer and Nails for your corporate event. Trust me when I tell you this is an experience all guys must have. Hammer and Nails Grooming Shop for Guys now open in the Owings Mills Metro Center. Spring into savings on a new car at Jerry's Toyota, Jerry's Chevrolet, and Jerry's Mitsubishi. Save a lot of money at Jerry's with free financing on over 800 new cars and trucks in stock. Jerry's has incredible springtime deals, like monthly payments as low as $129 a month on new Toyota RAV4s, Camrys, and Chevy Malibus and Cruises. Looking for a new SUV with third-row seating? Well, Jerry's has a great selection of models, including Toyota Highlanders, Chevy Traverses, and the Mitsubishi Outlander. If that's too much and you are shopping for a new crossover, Jerry's has great deals on new Toyota CHRs, Chevy Trax, and the all-new Mitsubishi Eclipse. Plus, right now at Jerry's, get huge savings on over 200 pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Do it. Visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road or Jerry's Chevrolet and Mitsubishi on Joppa Road and online at jerrysitsaboutyou.com. Special financing and lease payments with approved credit through dealer-designated lenders. Sale ends 4-30-18. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit Give to Goodwill.org. Okay, so what do you get when you combine the Chick-fil-A Vanilla Ice Dream and their Simply Orange Juice? Well, introducing the all-new Frosted Sunrise from our friends at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. It's perfect with breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Nothing refreshes like the Chick-fil-A Frosted Sunrise. And hey, if you prefer lemon, try the Frosted Lemonade. Don't forget to think about Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square as well. For all of your catering needs, graduation parties coming up, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard, in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every 
Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash Sports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. And welcome back to the Bat Around. I'm Craig Heist, Dan the Fan, diligently working on something on his computer. Social media. Social media. <laughs> I'm social media director of the show. <laughs> he, he has yet to figure it out. a little slow. A little slow and has yet to figure it out. Somebody who is not slow and has always got it figured out is our good buddy Hank Allen, who is a baseball scout in the major leagues, former Washington Senators outfielder. Who, when the uh, when when the moon landing took place in 1969, landering, 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 when the moon landing took place in '69, he was at Yankee Stadium. Really? Yeah, playing left field. Wow. He thought he was in center, but he actually was playing left field. Where yeah. were you when the moon landing uh, took place? I was place? probably playing ball out in the backyard somewhere. Hank Allen joins us on the phone. Hank, how are you? All right, good. Good to be with you guys. Uh, we we brought you on uh, to talk a little bit about baseball, but a whole bunch about horse racing. And, All right, uh, ready to K- go. Kentucky Derby just two weeks away. But I got to ask you real quick: uh, you were at the game last night at uh, Camden Yards. Uh, what do you you know? You know, we look at Dylan Bundy's stats, and it's a shame that he doesn't have more to show for those five outings. Well, I'll tell you what, the game that he pitched last night was just an outstanding. And if he continues to pitch a pitch like that, you'll forget all about uh, those earlier games that uh, he didn't get the wins. But he was just outstanding last night. Everything was working for him, and uh, he pitched an outstanding game last night. He had good command, good control, used all of his pitches. He just He was in complete control the whole time. Let me ask you this, Hank, about Dylan. Uh, he's clearly the, got the potential to be the best Orioles starting pitcher since Mike Mussina, who left the club after the 2000 season. That next step that he needs to take, we're agreeing, uh, Craig and I, um, is that he, if he could cut that pitch count down a little bit to go a little deeper into games. With his stuff and the way he likes to pitch, is that really possible for him, or is he such an artist that he's not going to give in to batters, and that's going to raise that pitch count a little bit? And, Hank, you know I don't agree with many people, you know. <laughs> Especially me. Especially him. Well, let, let's try this on for size, and then let me hear what you think. One of the things that I think that will help him, if, if the offense, could score him a few more runs yeah. where when he's on the mound that he could feel a little bit That's a more good point. comfortable. Yeah. And and he didn't have to be so precise at times. Last night he was just masterful. Yep. And as you know, every time that you go to the mound that you don't have your good stuff and you just don't you have good control and command. Last night he did. But if the offense could come up and support him a little bit more which they haven't done. His record would be a lot better if, his, if the offense had come through for him. 
he were pitching, let's say, for another club that had a little better offense, or if the offense really got going, you'd see you'd see this guy when he took the mound. It would be almost automatic. You'd be you'd expect to win just about every time that he went out there. So, are you going to be at the game today? I will. So today you're going to see the flip side of that coin. You're going to see one of the best starters the Orioles have had over the last 15, 18 years, but who's on clearly on very thin ice at this point with his future with the club as a starting pitcher. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the games on TV. I've seen them. So what are you seeing with Chris Tillman? Is it still still a physical issue? Yeah. It, it, I don't see a physical issue at all. And last year, I, I didn't see where, you know, he had that sore shoulder and what mm-hmm. have you. You know, last year he started out and uh, in spring training. Of course, I saw him in the spring as well last year. And they protected him because he had the bad shoulder. But he, right now, he seems to be throwing free and easy. But you, you've got a problem here. And I think in his case, it's a flip side here. It's been a constant struggle has no control and command. And when you get there, it gets into your head. And right now, you know, he's trying to trying to do a whole lot of things. He's trying to throw strikes, trying to keep the ball out of the area where the hitters uh, can take advantage of him. And it's a constant struggle. And it's too bad that he has to work on all of those things at the major league level. Yeah. Personally, I would have rather seen him go to the minors and work out all the things that he needs to work out so that he could regain his confidence. And confidence in our game is, is, is it's 75 to 80% of what makes you successful because you have to believe in yourself. And you can see it in him when he goes to the mound that he's not a confident pitcher right now no. because it's a constant struggle. I agree with you. I think the minor leagues would be really the, the laboratory that he needs to go without the pressure of performing every five days to really, right. to really kind of redefine himself as a pitcher. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Hank, you have to regain that confidence. Because, you know, in my way of thinking of it, Hank, and you and I have this discussion a lot in terms of the mental aspect of the game, when things aren't going – You never talk to me about the mental aspects of the game. Well, you, have to have that, you have to have the capacity that Hank has, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but my, my point is – when he struggled as much as he has over the last year and a half, this has got to be playing on his head. Oh, gee whiz. It's, this is a, a daily. This is something that's in his mind daily, not when he just takes the field. This will keep him up at night and where he's not sleeping and resting well, not eating well because he's trying to find his way because he knows that every outing depends upon on his career, whether he's going to have a career. Right. Hey, we're going to have on in about 15 minutes a guy who's the director of marketing for the New York Mets, an old friend of mine from here in Baltimore. He was an intern with me. His name is Mark Fine. I can't okay. ask I can't ask him this question because he's not a spokesperson for the the baseball side of operations there. This situation that Mickey Calloway is facing with Matt Harvey where uncharacteristically a manager called into question before talking to the player whether or not he could continue to send him out as a starting pitcher, and then the media descended upon Harvey, uh, who seemed somewhat more than a little surprised. In New York. In New York. <laughs> of course, uh, I of think course. Mickey Calloway is pretty darn smart. I think he was sending a message to Harvey, 
and Harvey didn't receive the message very well. He started talking about, this is after he gave up six runs to the Braves in the first three innings. He talked about how, well, I'm a starting pitcher, and the fact that I could get through the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings is proof of that because it proved I could get hitters out second, third time around. He was missing something about the first time around. Um, I, I get the sense that Matt Harvey isn't real popular in that locker room, and I think Mickey Calloway's taking this as an opportunity to win over his locker room by doing the right thing. And he's had issues before, Hank, in that locker room. Yeah, absolutely he has, and it stems from right back. We all know that that uh, the type of personality that he's had. He's had him on and off the field. Yep. And I think Callaway is, is done exactly what you said. He's sending a message, and he's a young new manager, and he wants to take charge of that club. Yep. And he's not going to have anybody, you know, kind of say, "Well, I'm in charge here. I'm going to do what I want. You can't do that to me." And he's he's making a statement here to his club right now that says, "You have to do the job, and you can't blame him because that's what you're supposed to do when you have, when you go out there." You have the opportunity to show us, not tell us right. what you can do. Right. And you have to show us and produce when you go to the mound. Uh, and he hasn't done that. Did you and let's, let's face it now, until you establish yourself that you can get the job done, a la in spring training when they were talking about Hamels in Texas, when they were talking about going to the six-man rotation, he said, hey, no, I don't believe in that. I've always been in a five-man right. rotation. This is the way that I've been trained. I'm not for that. Now, here, the, the difference there, he's established, and he goes out there and he's productive. Yeah, he has some well, cachet. can't be productive. Yeah. Pardon? He, he has, has some, cachet. He has some yeah. cachet there. Yes. Um, would Matt Harvey, I, I'm not asking you ego-wise, it seems like the furthest thing from his mind is going back to the minor leagues and sort of reinventing himself a little bit. That would be the right thing to do with him as well, wouldn't it? Absolutely, and yeah. let, me, let me tell you, the, the thing that makes us as baseball players, you have to believe in yourself, mm-hmm. but that same determination and, and tough spirit that you have can hurt you because you have to believe in yourself that you can be successful, <clears throat> Excuse me, and you're, you have to believe in your ability, but players, baseball players, we're the last to know sometimes when we want to to believe that we need to go back and redefine ourselves sometimes. That's because you believed you were in center field that day the guys landed on the moon. <laughs> I don't want to admit to it. I still don't want to admit to it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We we have such a laugh over that because that I did a piece for WTOP when I was I remember. did the whole thing yep. with Hank, uh, added Bob Shepard because they stopped the game in the right, middle of it. Right. And, you know, yes. Yeah. Shepard comes on and uh, announces, landed your on attention, the moon. please. <laughs> you know, they've landed on the moon. And a moment of silence right. in the whole nine yards. But Hank and I, we tease each other about that all the time. Hey, Hank, uh, a, yes. a couple other pitchers before we start talking a little Kentucky Derby, but a couple pitchers who have redefined themselves since being acquired by the Houston Astros are Justin Verlander, who I'm not saying had – the Chris Tillman problems or the Matt Harvey problems, but he looked to be a little bit on the down or backside of his career, and he's been nothing short of phenomenal since he's become a Houston Astro. Is that some of the analytics department convincing him to pitch a little differently? No, Craig. 
uh, it's the total opposite of uh, what we were talking about. He came over there, and with that offense that supported him, where he's been able while to relax. He, in Detroit, yeah. he did not have the support offensively mm-hmm. when he went to the mound, and he had to be perfect every time that he went out there. And that's a tough thing to do. Yep. When he came over there, everybody just really were just so happy to have him. They were singing his praises, and they met him, did everything possible to make him feel comfortable. And all he did was walk out to the out there to the mound. He knew he was going to going to uh, we were going to score runs. All he needed to do to do was to go out there and do give us the best that that he could give us. He didn't have to change a thing. And that's exactly what they told him. You they know, didn't want him to change anything. You know what else I think, yeah. too, with that move of Verlander? That helped in that clubhouse, helped McCubie better, yeah. and helped Keuchel, because I think Hank will tell you, Keuchel has his own issues as far as, yeah, you know, confidence. I'm, I'm a me guy yeah. to some degree. Yeah. You know, and I, I think he's helped everybody on that staff. Well, I think he's helped McCullers, with, too. Without yeah. a Without a doubt, so he has helped. Him. So who has helped Garrett Cole? Because he's pitching otherworldly. He's pitching back to what he was three, four years ago. Uh, a remarkable trade. And and actually, a good trade for the Pirates, too. Good trade for the Pirates, but a great trade for us. This was a guy that I had recommended for the last four years. And because he was unhappy Number one in in Pittsburgh, right? He felt that they weren't treating him right. Wasn't anything on the field that this was from the front office when he pitched well that one year, and he felt that he deserved a little bit more credit for what he had yeah. had I, done there. I hear but he also hated the. I hear he also hated the Steelers too, which makes <laughs> him a good guy. Hey, let's move. Let's move over to the Kentucky Derby real quick. I'm seeing that this horse uh, is it justify is the yes. favorite for two weeks hence. Any chance that turns around between now and then? Well, no, this horse is going to go in into the race probably probably as as the favorite. You know, uh, I'll tell you, his last race, on they have a thing that they call thoroughbreds, and, boy, he ran a, an outstanding race, and he had a 107th buyer figure in that last race. This horse will remind you somewhat of uh, Secretariat with his really? size. Oh my lord, yes. So he this guy has a absolutely superstar written all over him. The question is, he's inexperienced. Mm-hmm. He's undefeated off of the first three races that he's run. He could have set a track record in the last two races easily, but they went easy with him because he's such a young horse. He didn't run as a two year old. And he's got a lot to overcome. And in the history of the Kentucky Derby over 100-some years, there's been no horse who has won the Derby that hasn't run and win as a two-year-old. And you got two horses that one is going to be uh, justified, and the other one is Malibu Moon. Right. Neither ran as a two-year-old. That's fascinating. Boy, they're undefeated, and boy, they got superstar written all over them. Two two of the the top eight horses or so are Good Magic, Who's listed at six to one, and a horse named Solomina, Solomini. Um, well, they're both they're both they're they're both sired by they're both sired by Curlin. Yes. Yep. Yes. Well, that's only part of it. You know, Curlin is a good sire, 
But I tell you what, you've got some you've got some horses in here that are sired by other top sires as well. Uh, Magnum Moon. Now uh, let me go back a little bit. Justify and Salomini both are trained by Bob Bafford, and you know he's an outstanding mm-hmm. trainer. Yep. And when it comes to the Derby, you know he knows how to get the job done in the big races. But here you got this other horse called Magnum Moon. He's uh, uh, talking about sires. He's by the horse that used to be uh, here in Maryland, that uh, used to stand here in Maryland, you know. And uh, I'll tell you what, this horse is just as smooth as Justify. He can get the job done. The distance will be no problem. And I look for, for either one. It'll be something else if the two of them lock up uh, coming down that long stretch, you know, to, to see who can win it. But the other horse that you mentioned in here is Good Magic. Yep. Now he won, he won the Breeders' Cup two-year-old uh, Breeders' Cup race last year, and broke his maiden in that race. And this horse here, he won one of the uh, prep races for the Derby as well, and he's coming into this race, uh, who also is coming off of a career high Thorgrath figure in there. He come home in the final eighth of the mile in that race in thirteen and one. And that's after running the uh, previous quarter in 25. So he's an outstanding individual coming in here. Do you you know who's riding Justify and Good Magic and Solomini? Yes. uh, And I know I'm uh, throwing this at you at the last minute. Is it Michael uh, Smith? Smith Is it Mike Smith? Michael Smith. Smith will be be riding uh, Justify. Will be riding uh, uh, Justify. And uh, good magic, I'm not sure. It looks like Ortiz. Riding. Ortiz is riding good magic. And, okay. And okay. Pratt, P R A T F Pratt, is riding Solomini. So, yes. Now that's that's Baffert's uh, young young rider. He, he's coming on the scene, and boy, is he making a name for himself out there in California. All right. Well, Hank, we really appreciate you coming on. If you were picking right now, would it be Justify? Well, I'll tell you, it's hard to go away from him. Yep. I've watched his races, but I'll tell you, I love Malibu Moon. Okay. Malibu Moon is going to be ridden by Sayers. Well, I'm sorry. He's by Malibu Moon, but his name is Magnum. Magnum Moon, you, right. Magnum. Todd, Ple- yeah. Todd Pletcher's horse. Todd Pletcher. Todd Pletcher has four horses in this. Story. Wow. It's unbelievable. I don't recall that. But last thing for you. Did you know the the great writer, Sports Illustrated writer William Knack, who just passed away? He was a great horse no, racing. No, I did writer. not. Okay, just wondered. All right, because yeah. you know, in the old days when I used to get a subscription to Sports Illustrated, that's when I would keep up with all the prep races. I'm going back thirty years, and, right. and, and Knack wrote all those stories about Grouse Stark and. Little current, and you know, he, yeah. he kept you up to date on those. But yeah. when Stan put money on horse racing back then, that's very similar to, to his fantasy, fantasy baseball. baseball. You know, now. it's exactly it's <laughs> unbelievable. And I do have a question for you, Hank, before we let you go. Did you get okay. a chance to see the Scherzer Kershaw matchup last night? I did. I did. And uh, for the Nats, who are kind of hovering around that 500 mark, Big road trip for them yep. because uh, they took two out of three from the Mets. They're in L.A., and then they go to San Francisco before they come back home. Uh, last night, pretty pretty impressive by Scherzer again. I think they the whole club, Scherzer, we know that what he can do. This guy's at the top of his game right now, you know, and he went out there to prove a point right now. Yep. He stamped himself that, hey, 
guys, I'm, I still have it, and I'm here. Let's get it going. And I'll tell you, the offense, uh, hey, they came through for him last night. Be interesting to see what Strauss does tonight. Hank, I'll look, yes, forward, to see, I'll see, look forward to seeing you out at the park today. It's been a while. All right, buddy. All you right. guys take care. Good All talking right. to you. Always a pleasure. Left All fielder, right. Hank Left fielder, Hank Left fielder, Hank Allen. Left fielder, Hank Allen. All right, we're going to uh, make our connection with Mark Fine okay. up there in New York and talk to him a little bit about Mickey Calloway and uh, whether he's uh, he's got the goods for New York and uh, the importance of getting off to a good start because the Mets certainly got off to one. Well, I think it's very important for them, and you can't deny what the Braves have done earlier in this season – and by the way, if there's a feel-good story on that team, it's Ryan Flaherty yeah. playing third base, hitting over 300, and driving in some pretty important runs for that team. Uh, and and one well, of the he's, things he's teamed up there with his brother-in-law. Well, that's right. Well, one of the things he said was, you know, told me when he when the Braves came through in in D.C. last week was the fact that uh, having been an Oriole all those years. And then when the Phillies let him go in spring, right after spring training and hooking on with the Braves, he says one of the things that made it so much easier for him was the fact that Nick Marcakis was down there. All right. Joining us now is an old friend and somebody I, I don't get to say this that often because most of my former interns end up in prison. Uh, but this guy I'm extremely proud of. Brittany, keep that in mind, by the way. Oh, she's not an intern, technically. No, she's, she's yeah. paid. She's, she's paid. paid. But joining us now is somebody I'm very proud of. And God known knows him. about Bonzo. <laughs> I've known him. Well, he could go either way. Uh, I've known him about 23, 24 years. Uh, Mark Fine, Director of Marketing, New York Mets. Mark, how are you? Hey, Stan. Hey, Craig. What's going on, guys? Fine. What's up, brother? Good to talk to not you, much. man. How do Globetrotters do? What was their record like this offseason? That, that's the season. thing, you know. I the Globetrotters never lost a game. I had to get adjusted to that uh, going <laughs> into baseball again. Yeah. Hey, Mark. Um, seriously, you've been up there. Am I right? Is this your fifth or sixth season? This is my sixth season. That is unbelievable. Well, when you said when you said most of your interns usually wind up in prison, right? I was thinking the last couple of years for Mark might have been just like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he well, would characterize. Last year was a tough one. Last year was a tough. <laughs> hey, um, New York. Being up in New York, it wasn't just that you stepped up into the big leagues uh, to become director of marketing of a major league baseball team, but you stepped up in New York. If you had to look back now, six years, what surprised you most about New York versus sort of where you were working before, which was sort of working for the Oriole Farm teams in Norfolk and back here doing that Globetrotter regional uh, marketing. What what about New York is most surprising? Well, the biggest thing, and I remember this in year one, uh, was getting used to the New York media and getting used to the fact that any email that you wrote or anything that you had said, even if it's just in passing, uh, can be printed. Yeah. Um, that, I think, is, is just the – I learned that in year one. Um, you know, we had an instance uh, when we were in 2013. We hosted the All Star Game here. We had an instance uh, where we went a little overboard in trying to promote uh, David Wright that year to get into the All Star Game, and it ended up on the back pages of the paper. And that was, you know, five, four or five months into the, my job here, and that was I had never ever experienced anything like that, uh, where. 
you know, something that you could do um, what could end up uh, on the back pages of each of the New York tabloid news- newspapers here. So that is, I think, the biggest difference, and that's, you know, something that I think you hear from the player side often. Um, you know, and, and we have a new manager this year, and the scrutiny that comes with managing a team here, but it also is very true on the business side, is that everything... Um, and I have to say, some there, there's times that we could think that we've come up with something very creative from the marketing side. We have to really poke a lot of holes in it um, before we put it live because um, it, it does face so much scrutiny uh, from the New York media. There's, there's, the fact is there's just so many more eyeballs yep. on this brand than there are in the other brands that I work for. Is the flip side of that, though, Mark, even if you end up on the back page on Saturday, you know by Sunday they're looking for something new to turn over and have as hot as it was yesterday. So its shelf life might be a little lesser up there. might not seem yeah. like it to you, but... <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Um, and that's pretty much the 24-hour news cycle anyways. Um, and you very much see that here in New York that uh, something that, especially in baseball, too, where it's 162 games, and every game um, is just the ups and downs of the, in the roller coaster of you know, our brand uh, changes with every game that is played. Um, every game is scrutinized so much. But then again, as you mentioned, you're on to the next game, and you're on to the next day, and the, the, the new story can change with that. Kind of a lighthearted question, and this is what we do here. Uh, just how big a head does Mr. Met have? He's got a big head. <laughs> uh, he's, he's got a big head. He's, we're really lucky uh, to have you know, a recognizable mascot you know, like him. Um, Mrs. Met came back in 2014. She had been on hiatus. So we've been using Mr. and Mrs. Met in a lot of the things that we do, and it's been really helpful. I mean... I remember years ago, I think I was with the Globetrotters when this happened, that the Cubs introduced Clark, um, their mascot. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was not very well received by many in the media. Uh, but I remember thinking, you know, this they're just trying to reach a certain demographic. And, um, you know, Wally is uh, the mascot up in Boston, and he was booed for several years, I yeah. think, when he was introduced. but. Point being is is that you're trying to reach a younger kid, and I think that Major League Baseball over the last few years under Rob Manfred's leadership has really focused on getting the youngest of people in. I'll give you a stat that we abide by here at the Mets is that our goal is to try and get uh, a youngster into their first game by age 8. And if they attend a game by age 8, they're going to attend 59% more games over a lifetime than if their first game is age 14. No question about it. Go ahead, Greg. No, I was just going to say, no question about it. I've often told people that in this day and age, especially when uh, playing baseball at a young age is not necessarily the thing anymore with all the video games and other things to occupy a kid's time, I've often said that if they're not baseball fans, by the time they're 10, they're never going to be baseball fans. Well, that's what you see with Commissioner Manfred has done with the play ball efforts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got a 10-year-old boy and an 8-year-old girl, and I can tell you that it is a little different than when I was playing, probably when you guys were playing, 
Um, with what we don't, what the commissioner wants to make uh, clear is that you don't have to play an organized game of baseball to be playing baseball. You can be playing catch, you can be playing wiffle ball, you can be playing stick ball. Um, what I what I don't think we want our sport to be is something where there's a lot of equipment and it comes off as expensive. Right. Um, and I noticed that a little bit more now having a kid who's playing ball. And, you know, I live in a town in Long Island where um, a lot of kids have a lot of equipment. Um, and it could come off as too expensive. And I think the commissioner has done a good job over the last couple of years. MLB has the participation rates in baseball and softball have grown exponentially. Um, and, again, just getting people to you know, play a game of catch. Uh, it doesn't have to be an organized travel team uh, situation for people to play and enjoy the game. We're, talk, we're, talk, we're, talking with, we're talking with Mark Fine, the director of marketing with the New York Mets. Uh, Mark, um, Terry Collins, I think we'd all agree, a really solid baseball guy, did some good things clearly for the New York Mets but temperament-wise and personality-wise, not a great fit up in New York. You've got a guy now who looks like he could be a New York superstar, and I know it's early in his tenure, but Mickey Calloway. What do you think Sandy Alderson saw in him, and was it partly how he would handle New York? Well, I would say that Terry um, uh, did a nice job handling the media here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he had, you even go back to 2015, our World Series year, you know, before we got Cespedes, uh, that week before we got Cespedes was a very trying week uh, on our team. Um, And Terry really held held the team together. Mm -hmm. I think with Mickey Calloway, uh, Mickey's 42 years old. He's a vibrant guy. I think I was just so impressed by his initial press conference back uh, in the off season, which he said, "You know, we're going to love these guys. We're going to we're going to care about our players. We're going to love them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're going to have obviously expectations and responsibilities. But I, he really came across. I, I took that from the business side and thinking, yeah, I mean." it's important to love your people and to yeah. care about your people and put them in a great position to succeed. And I think he brings that. And I will tell you from a marketing standpoint, he's been exceptional to work with. And, you know, we have... He cares, about, he cares about that side of the game, doesn't he? He really does. I mean, it's funny. He came to, we had a, an all-staff meeting that he happened to get hired um a day or two before and the meeting was had been scheduled for weeks and he came in and he spoke to the group he said that he had a picture of every one of us uh <laughs> and that he was going to learn all of our names that's, uh, that's something said, yeah which i thought was really uh powerful and exceptional yeah. and it was funny i mean it is the cool thing sometimes you do feel like you're in the espn cafeteria where he made a point to work out of our offices for the first couple of weeks that after he had been hired, and you would just see him in the cafeteria, ordering food and eating, and um, he he was that kind of guy. He, he's um, low key, but in terms of uh, ego, doesn't have an ego at all, and he just is a, a, a warm, nice guy and a vibrant guy yeah. who really gets people excited. And I think you can see that with, with the results so far that we've had, you know, on the field in the regular season and even in spring training. And that was my next question. 
what about that start to this season for you guys? Because, I mean, obviously season starts, the Nationals are the odds-on favorite to win it. But health has always been the issue for this team in New York. Uh, and and when you, if you, especially with the pitching staff, uh, and right now it seems like this is a lineup that can p- compete with just about anybody. Yeah, I mean it is a great thing. I look at it, Craig, from a business side. I mean, you could go fourteen and five in July, and it might not have the same impact that it does when you go fourteen and five to lead off the season. Right. Um, there's a lot of excitement around our team because of the hot start that we got off to. You know, the way we played the Nationals down there in Washington, we were able to eke out a, a game here this this week where we were t- uh, we lost two of three, but we were able to ke- get the third uh, game as a win. That first game on Monday night, uh, you know, we uh, we lost the big lead, and that was tough. Um, and we had not played the Nationals well over the last few years, uh, more than the last few years. And they've really had our number, maybe with the exception of 2015, uh, they've really held our numbers. So it is nice to get off into the start that we have. Um, we haven't, knock on wood, had too many injuries, although we, we do have a couple catching injuries. Travis Darno's going to be out yeah. for the year. And Kevin Ploiecki, uh, from what I hear, is out for, you know, what I hear is what you hear, uh, yeah. out for the next few weeks still. Um, but beyond that, you know, I, I, we haven't had those types of injuries yet. Uh, and hopefully we won't, uh, or, or or they'll be sustained to a short term. I mean, I think every team has injuries, and um, there's a positivity around the team and just our our front office right now uh, that is infectious, and we're really excited. Um, and it's great; it is great to get off to a good start. Uh, particularly, um, you know, we we have six we had six divisional games against the Nationals that are already in the books. Uh, I don't think we see them again until July. But, um, you know, now it's, it's to keep moving, and, you know, hopefully this weather gets a little bit better so we can uh, pack, that, pack the house a little bit more. We're talking with Mark Fine, Director of Marketing, New York Mets. Mark, I wanted to bring you back to Baltimore for a moment. Uh, sure. I, I know doctors don't like to talk about other doctors and so on and so forth. It doesn't take a genius to know that you much prefer to get off to the start that the Mets got off to than the start that the Orioles have gotten off to. Uh, but I'm, I'm asking you from an outsider's point of view, there's no question that the uh, majority owner of this team is up in years. He's 89 years of age. Uh, it's come publicly that uh, the club is now more being run by the Suns, younger eyeballs. Is that pretty apparent from where you sit that the Orioles are trying to do some different things that are a little bit more progressive and industry standards? Yeah, I mean, the Orioles got a lot of great publicity uh, across the, the sports business industry, you know, with the nine and under get in free uh, promotion. The and kid, I think you have a lot cheer, of people that are going to watch that. Kids cheer free zone, yep. Kid, the kids cheer free. I mean, I look at that kind of how this, this past year you had a lot of people in our business look at what the Atlanta Falcons did with their concession prices. Mm-hmm. That Their concession prices were considerably lower. Um, and... I think you're going to have a lot of people. There, there, there's certainly been a lot of talk in our industry about, hey, you know, is that something that we should be looking at? You saw that the Oakland A's this past week had a free game. Yep. Um, you know, and they're trying a lot of different things out in Oakland with uh, a new president that's been out there and working on getting a new uh, new ballpark deal. 
so yeah, I, I do see uh, as an outsider certainly that that kids share free uh, promotion. That's something that you're going to see a lot of people in our industry keep an eye on. Um, yeah, and obviously record is going to matter, and you're going to take that into consideration. Uh, you know, uh, for throughout the year uh, to see kind of where the Orioles end up in record, and also where they end up in attendance if that promotion was considered successful. But I will say that I think, you know, in everything that I saw, uh, you know, John Angelo's kind of saying when talking about the promotion is that he's addressing the future. He's addressing, you know, what we talked about kind of at the outset is that they want to introduce, as do we at the Mets, uh, and most, and every team in baseball, uh, is they want to introduce this game at the youngest of ages so that we can get lifelong fans. And again, just the ballpark itself, and you're seeing this uh, at Camden Yards, you see this uh, at our place at City Field, you have nobody's sitting for nine games anymore, or excuse me, nine innings anymore. Very few people are sitting for nine innings anymore. So you have to have social spaces, you have to have other things at the ballpark to do. Um, and I think you see that at both of our ballparks. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, to answer your question again, I think that that is a, uh, definitely something worth watching. And I think it's a very progressive move, too. I understand it because we're trying to do the same thing here. We're putting a lot of our attention on Generation Z and getting young people to the games. I can understand, though, that the Orioles uh, have nothing to lose by trying something like that because their attendance looks this year, they're going to be real hard-pressed to hit 1-8 even, in my opinion, this year. Could the Mets try something like that? on a much more limited, uh, both date-wise and space-wise, but try something like that on, say, once a month or something like that? Is that something well, all teams could try to do? Yeah, I don't know necessarily if we would do something as mass uh, as that promotion, but I look at kind of our kids' club as an example, and, mm -hmm. and the kids' clubs vary across the league. Yep. And a kids' club membership, and, and the Orioles have the same um, you know, a value proposition to their fans. A kids' club membership for us costs very little, and it includes tickets, you know, yep. free tickets to games. And it is a great, it is a very affordable introduction to the game. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, for us, you know, you don't really see, you haven't seen that uh, in the industry before where it's season long. I know that a few seasons ago, maybe even before my time, we did something like that uh, where uh, kids would get in free for a particular time frame. Right. It's something that we haven't revisited just yet, um, you know, but uh, it's certainly, you know, something to keep watching. Well, for most of the teams, for all 30 of the teams, uh, MLB is different than the other sports where ticket sales are just a huge part of the overall local revenue. Um, you don't get that in the other major sports leagues like the NBA and the NFL because you just don't have as many games. You know, for, for the Orioles and for us, you know, we have 42,000 seats and we have 81 games and that's a lot of inventory to sell. So, you know, it's a big portion of, uh, of a major league baseball club's overall revenue. How's my good buddy Jay Horowitz doing? He's fantastic. I mean, Jay is, you know, he's 72 years old, um, and uh, he lost a lot of weight, actually, uh, in spring oh, wow, training, which nice. is great. He doesn't enjoy eating salad, but he, he is eating <laughs> a lot more salad, <laughs> and, and he's a legendary guy. He is he's, a legend. Yeah. He, he's a few, uh, I would say, he's a, a few feet away from me in terms of where our desks are and where we uh, situate ourselves during the day. He's very and, um, he's very fond of you. Every time I see him, he doesn't know me from Adam, 
but I mention your name and his, his big smile comes across his face. Yeah, he says he's like, oh, whenever I, you know, the, we play Baltimore in spring training, and all those guys know you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's just referring to you, Stan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. All these guys. Hey, we really appreciate it. We're very proud of you, or I know I am very proud of you. You're doing a super job there, and uh, continued good luck to your ball club. Say hello to the wife and kids. Will do. Thanks, guys. And maybe I'll see you in early June when the O's are up. That here. would be great. I look All forward right. to seeing you guys up here. All right. Take care. You can always tell right. about the, the PR departments of other ball clubs yeah. because – the good ones always leave. The Nationals wound up getting one of the Mets, uh, Melissa uh, Melissa Stroza, who right. was with the Mets, back up up there, and she's now backing up Kyle in D.C. Okay, all right. We're going to take a timeout. When, we're, when we get back, we'll be joined by our good friend Mike Gibbons. Got to tell you a little bit about Big Bats Cafe. We had the owner on a little while ago. It's Ken Island's original sports bar, Steve Garland's little piece of baseball heaven, located at the first exit off of uh, uh, just across the Bay Bridge in Stevensville, Maryland. If you're looking for a great place to stop on the way to the Eastern Shore or on the way home from the Eastern Shore, stop by for burgers, sandwiches, soups, salads, incredible sports ambiance. Steve built all the furniture there. And I do mean at the, the bar stools made out of baseball bats yeah. and bases. It's all great stuff. The seats there. are bases. Yeah, the yeah. seats are bases. Yeah. Well, it's it really would have been pretty hard for the seat to be a baseball bat. Ba- well, yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, 216 St. Clair Place. Hey, if you live nearby the place, remember it's a great place to go watch the O's, the Nats, the Wizards, the Caps, and as Craig said, NCAA lacrosse or the Kentucky Derby. It's Ken Island's original sports bar, Big Bats. Are you looking for a great deal? Maybe you need that perfect, affordable outfit or clothes for growing kids. Or maybe you're looking for that hard-to-find collectible. Visit Goodwill today. Shop with a mission and find everyday low prices on thousands of items, including brand-name clothing, stylish accessories, shoes, and furniture. Come to Goodwill and see what you can find. When you shop at Goodwill, when you donate to Goodwill, you will help someone find a job. To find a store near you, visit givetogoodwill.org. When I think about things that have over-delivered in my life, I think about blueberry pie Oreos, I think about the first Kingsman movie, and now I think about hammer and nails in the Owings Mills Metro Center. My first trip to the ultimate man cave nirvana blew me away. When I got there, I went to the back room. Oh, this is where the magic happens. I got my first ever manicure and pedicure treatment. It was so relaxing. I understand why a lot of guys actually fall asleep back there. The seat was custom crafted for my comfort. I had a flat screen in front of me with noise-canceling headphones so I could watch whatever game I wanted to, and I was even sipping on a nice adult beverage. Then I went out and Tracy hooked me up with a really stylish haircut. She took care of me with the shampoo treatment, the hot steam towel. You can even get the close edge razor shave all at Hammer and Nails Owings Mills. Memberships are available. They make a great gift. On Mondays, you can rent out Hammer and Nails for your corporate event. Trust me when I tell you, this is an experience all guys must have. Hammer and Nails, grooming shop for guys, now open in the Owings Mills Metro Center. 
Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Orioles podcast around. Look forward to listening every week. These guys are coconuts, and if that's not enough reason to listen, they are a great listener if you want Orioles talk, even during the offseason. If you're lucky, they might even talk about the Ravens. Josh, Matt, and Bert are a must-listen every week. Check Section 336 out for yourself on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka looks at the final NFL draft for Ozzie Newsom as Ravens general manager and how he's built the franchise over the last two decades. Additionally, what does the future hold for UMBC after their historic NCAA tournament win over Virginia? Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. WWE Ringsider presents SmackDown Live at Royal Farms Arena, Tuesday night, May 8th. Tickets available now at the box office and Ticketmaster. Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, that, podcast. Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to job and out. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, real <laughs> quick. It's jobbing out, Glenn Clark, Aaron. Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins. He Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, we are back for the battle round. Stan the Fan along with Craig Heist. And uh, joining us now is somebody I've known for God knows how long, but it's been a long time. He's a good friend, good friend of the sports fan in uh, Baltimore and the state of Maryland. It's Mike Gibbons. Um, Director Emeritus of the Babe Ruth Birthplace and Museum. How are you, Mr. Gibbons? Oh, I'm doing great, boys. It's a, a nice day out here, and, and, and I'm actually not working today. So that's, a, that's a different thing for me, so I'm glad to be doing some home chores. Not working and took time out for us. Now, this uh, is a I treat. I consider this work for you. <laughs> although it's no, no, not with you guys no this is just, this is just good although i still consider this a labor of love for you everything you do with the babe ruth museum and birthplace um about two and a half months ago you embarked upon a, a campaign with the baltimore sun <clears throat> to name uh, to have voters name uh the the mount rushmore of maryland sports and the results are in uh, first of all, clue us in on for those who have been living under a rock and don't know who who made it. But uh, clue us in on that and what's starting today at the at the birthplace. Well, uh, it was an interesting process, Stan, uh, that we went through. As as you well know, you did it with us. And uh, thank you for but, including uh, we me. We yep. started off with about two hundred and fifty athletes uh, who either played in Maryland or were born here, so native sons or, or guys like John United who played for, for local teams. And we uh, we got down to 20, and then that's when the Baltimore Sun uh, opened its poll. They, they got down to 10, 10 finalists, and then we wound up uh, with people uh, voting for up to four. And uh, the fi- of the final 10, six of them 
just uh, really outdistance the rest of the field. We decided to uh, go ahead and induct or celebrate the all six of those athletes, and they are. We have Ray Lewis. He, he made it. This is in no particular order. Uh, you know, there's uh, we're not announcing who got the most votes or anything like that. These are the six athletes who are mm-hmm. on Mount Rushmore. So Ray Lewis from the Ravens made it. Uh, Johnny Unitas made it from the Colts. Uh, Michael Phelps, the swimmer. And so there you see we have a native son. Cal Ripken, another native son, also made it as a Baltimore Oriole. And uh, Brooks Robinson, of course, uh, was there. And then our own guy, Babe Ruth. So uh, it's it's quite a list. And I like to think that uh, I'd put our Mount Rushmore up against any other sporting community. I just think we've got, uh, we've got an incredible sports heritage here as represented by those athletes. Uh, how difficult... I mean, throughout the entire process, and I know because people just have their favorites. Mm-hmm. I mean, how difficult was this to compile? Uh, some of the some of the guys uh, who uh, got us down to the twenty athletes that would be voted on, meaning that there were uh, you know two hundred and thirty that didn't make that that uh, short list. Some guys said it was uh, one of the hardest exercises they'd ever gone through. Uh, you know, eliminating people, and um, you know, it it really was quite uh, quite the enterprise. But uh, it was also a lot of fun. It was compelling. I think the fans uh, who voted online uh, with the Baltimore Sun website had a, had a good time doing this as well. But um, you know, it's hard to to leave Jim Palmer uh, or, or any of the great West Unsold. West Unsold. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Just... Uh, no. No, uh, you know, the Maryland Terrapins uh, did not make it. And, um, you know, so it was just really, really difficult to do. Um, But you have to say that those six guys that I just named, um, you know, you've got some of the the greatest athletes in their sport of all time, like Babe Ruth or or Phelps, uh, you know, and Ray Lewis. I mean, it's hard to say that he's not the greatest middle linebacker that ever played in the NFL. So we we had a a good list. what, so, so what's I mean, going? So what's going on now? The list has been out for about three weeks or four weeks, and now now the exhibits actually starting today. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we uh, opened a show today at the birthplace, the Babe Ruth birthplace, on on the Mount Rushmore of local sports. I I sent you a photograph. Uh, it looks really good, and you know we've got uh, you know some great artifacts uh, uh, representing those players. And uh, people can come down and take a look. Um, and, and the uh, the exhibit builders and our staff did a, a terrific job in getting this together. So how long will uh, the it's, how long will the exhibit be up? Well, it's going to run through next March, so okay. about a year. Okay. And the plan is, uh, and I, I expect this will happen, uh, that we will run another poll next year uh, in February, and we will be voting on uh, probably the all-time Mount Rushmore of local sports media. And yep. uh, that, again, it's now, now that's not as large a list, but it's, it's uh, you know, really going to be a difficult thing. The name <laughs> is spelled H-E-I-S-T. <laughs> Mine is T-H-E-F-A-N. Yeah, yeah see? Now you guys are going to have to be recused on this. Well, you can't be. <laughs> you can't vote. We just wanted uh, to let you know for plaque purposes. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but we'll have a good time with that, and 
and uh, you know go through the same process and come up with a Matt Rushmore of local sports media um, next year. So, but this year, uh, this is an opportunity for fans to come down, read up, read all about uh, these these six guys, uh, see their memorabilia, and well, uh, enjoy the Babe Ruth birthplace, which is uh, as you know was fully renovated two years ago. So. What are the a good thing. what are the um, hours and days of the week that people can see the, these exhibits? Because I think people, this is a great thing for a father and son to come down, or an uncle and a uh, you know his nephew or son, a grandfather and a, son, a grandson. Uh, so yep. so when's it open? Well, it's we're open every day, mm-hmm. ten to five, and um, on Oriole game days we are open later. Uh, normally to about six, six fifteen when when people go into the game, typically go to the game, and uh, so we, we'll shut down sometime around there. But uh, yeah, so uh, just come on down, take a look. Regular price of admission gets you in to see the exhibit and, um, well, and everything we, else down there on Babe Ruth. Well, we wanted to get spread the word, and we'll uh, do that through our social media as well. Michael, I got one other question for you. You've been around the, these environs for a long, long time. I know I'm a little biased on this question because when we started PressBox, about nine or ten months into uh, PressBox, Cal Ripken was going into the Hall of Fame, and we came up with the ingenious idea of coming up with a commemorative magazine. So we were very close to it, the celebration of Cal Ripken. And then uh, about eight, nine years later, we were pretty close on Jonathan Ogden going into the Hall of Fame. We were preparing a publication, so we got kind of caught up in that. I'm not detecting – now, we're not doing a publication on Ray Lewis's induction. Am I right in saying that this is sort of – nobody's really tremendously excited about this? I'm not sensing that the club is doing anything to create a buzz – um, or, or am I just, is it just that I'm not that close to creating a magazine? Yeah, I, I think that, that there really is something going on. And, and, um, you know, my belief as a, a longtime fan is that, uh, what we have seen the last couple of years and especially last year, the turnoff of, uh, the disconnect with the fans to the franchise is, is very real right now. And, and I think that the Ravens, uh, at first, weren't believing what they were seeing. You know, two years ago, we may have had 10,000 empty seats. Last year, there were a lot more than that. Yep. And the kneeling did not help. Ray Lewis kneeling did not help. Yep. Uh, and uh, I, I think that people are just turned off to the whole thing, and it's going to take uh, a lot of good public relations by the Ravens to to rebuild uh, the bridge yep. back to the fans. Winning certainly will help. But, yeah, it's uh, this is not a good spot not just for the Ravens, but also for the Orioles and, and uh, the Maryland Terrapins. We, we seem to be down as a yeah. sports community, and uh, we, you know, we have work to do to rebuild. This, so has, we'll this has absolutely nothing to do with the Ravens, but I think it's a league-wide thing. And I think locally, from Steve Bishotti and the commissioner of the league, uh, I think that a lot of things could be rectified with just a straight-out apology. And if Roger Goodell, at his State of the League address the Wednesday this year before the Super Bowl, would have just apologized, I think that would have healed much of their issue. Um, I, hope you're, I hope you're right. I, I think that uh, uh, the league 
we'll, we'll figure this out. Uh, it's a great sport, obviously. It's, it's uh, captivated uh, our, our nation for a long time, and it will come back. But, but there's a real disconnect right now, and, and that's something that we've all got to, uh, those of us who work in the sports industry, we've, we, you know, we've got to work to make it better. Yeah. I, I, and, uh, just see, I just see right now, Mike, from the, Gib, from, the, from the Ravens' perspective, just this, I think they've got all their eggs in the, well, if we win 10, 11 games and make the playoffs, everything will be fine and honky-dory. I don't sense that among the populace right now, and I think they're missing the boat. I think they needed to do some outreach, and uh, I, I see them more like entrenched in, in the norm than trying to do something different. Well, uh, I, I think you're right about that. And um, this isn't this isn't all about, for me, Craig and I come from different political places. To me, it's not all about the anthem. I think they were on a downturn before that happened here in Baltimore. And I know for a fact, because I had discussions with some people out there, that they sensed a, a sort of a creeping negativism about the entire experience. Yeah, uh, you know things have changed. Yeah, uh, that, that and listen, we were. You, you go back to 2012, the the last Super Bowl year, and how excited this town was. You know, you know the parade, the Super Bowl parade. Uh, being in that stadium was just an amazing experience. So uh, since then, this thing has gone south, yeah. and it's it's not just about winning and losing. You're right about yeah. that. The, the, the experience has changed. Um, a lot of people that I know who have been season ticket holders, that you know, they're just kind of fed up with it. Part of it may be that uh, you have an aging fan, fan base. Yeah, no question about that, it. That's a big deal, by the way, yep. because, uh, you know, going to the stadium is, is not necessarily um, – the best thing in the world to do for a 70 year old. <laughs> so, I'm serious. And, and that, you know, when the Ravens, uh, you know, got here, Shoo, I got four more 70, years. They were, I got 45. four more years. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> hey, Mike, we greatly appreciate your coming on again. The exhibit is there uh, seven days a week from 10 to five, usually till six when the Orioles are playing at home in a night game. Uh, the Mount Rushmore Maryland Sports at the Babe Ruth Birthplace and Museum. Mike, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, guys, and uh, have a great day, and uh, go Orioles. All right. We like that. Go we O's. like that, yeah. You know the other part about this, too, that gets me as far as when you have the ability to stay at home and watch all, no games, on, about all no. games on TV in high def in most cases – why would you want to go to the game? Yeah. I mean, you know. Well, you know, fantasy, you know, fan, you kidding me about fantasy. Well, yeah. A lot of people that play fantasy, they go, God, I go out to the game and I get to watch one team, but it's not my team. You right, know, right, I right. can stay home and find out what my players are doing. Uh, right. I don't have to fight with somebody who's had a few too many drinks um, and wearing a Steelers uh, jersey or something like that. Nothing ever bad happens at home. No. You know. Well. well <laughs> you grew up in the house I grew up in. <laughs> <laughs> then again. Hey, uh, Craig Heist, um, uh, this is my sixth season, or is it my seventh season? I can't remember. I'm doing these baseball power rankings each week, and I'm going to give you my top ten right now. Okay. All right? Uh, this week in week four, and the week is just about over. I go from Monday – 
I go Sunday's the last day of my week. Okay? All right, so you go Monday through Sunday. Monday through Sunday. Okay. Houston Astros have remained at number one despite the fact they were nine and eight coming into this week. They're now four and one, rewarding me with my faith in them. The Arizona Diamondbacks were number two based on how well they had taken care of uh, business against the L.A. Dodgers, and they were 11-4 and four coming into this week. The Angels, it's interesting. I bumped the Angels on top of Boston. because I bumped Arizona on top of Boston and the Angels on top of Boston based on the fact that so many of Boston's 13 victories were against Tampa, Miami, and the Orioles, right? And look what they do. They go out and play the vaunted Angels mm-hmm. and killed the Angels. Killed the Angels and, and started off real well against the A's. So they may very clearly move back into number two. Cleveland, I had as my number five team. The Yankees were number six. Minnesota, seven. The Mets were eight. The Cubs were nine. Washington was ten. The Dodgers were as low at the end of this week in my poll. Uh, my uh, rankings number thirteen. Okay, and they've come back and been three and one this week. Well, I can't. I, I think six through ten probably going to change a lot in the next two weeks. Yeah. that's my 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 thought on it. Well, one of the teams that figures to get in the hunt there is Toronto. Mm-hmm. They could very well push themselves into the top ten. I think Seattle is going to go backwards. I just don't think they're as good as the good teams out west. The Dodgers figure to get a little closer. Both Milwaukee and St. Louis are playing some pretty good baseball. And another team in Pennsylvania, not the Pirates, the Phillies have been really red hot. Well, they have. They've got a, they've got a uh, no matter how much Kapler you think is going to screw things up in that situation. And certainly the media in Philadelphia has been on him for several different things that he's done up to this point. But that's a good young team, Stan, and uh, if they can get any kind of pitching to hold together throughout the course of the summer, uh, this is going to be a team. I don't think they're going to win anything this year, but over the next couple of years, especially next year, I think, is when they'll take that big step. Uh, a lot of good young talent on that team. No question about it, and they got a big game the other night from the big fish. Jake Arrieta looked very similar to the Jake Arrieta from two, three years ago. Well, and and adding him is only going to help the pitching staff. Even if if Jake Arrieta isn't the Jake Arrieta that we've come to know over the years since he left the Orioles, uh, he's, he's a veteran, knows how to pitch, can help younger guys, and certainly he's in a position to do that with the Phillies. So I think that's a big feather in their cap going forward. And like I said, health has always been the issue. You think, look at this division, especially over the last two years. Now, give the Nationals all the credit in the world. Last year, they lost a ton of regular people, Mm -hmm. but yet had the depth, credit Mike Rizzo again, to hold that thing together and go ahead and win the division. Uh, this year might not be as easy for them because of the Mets, because the of the Phillies and, and the, the Braves, Braves and yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, I was just going to get to that. You anticipated my next topic. This division is starting to look like one of the truly best divisions. Save the Marlins right now. Right. And we know what they're doing. You know the re- total rebuild and and destruction of that team for now. But those four teams. 
over the next four or five years, that could be some division. That could be some division. And it's of a course, gauntlet. It's uh, a real gauntlet. And again, you look at some of the moves, certainly with the Nationals coming up, because uh, you, you know you have Harper this year. You're looking at Rendon and, you know, several other guys. You know, Zimmerman's contract will be coming to an end 2020. There's an option for 21, I believe. Uh, but there's a lot of different things that are going to happen. Now, Mike Rizzo extended two years through 2020, uh, and, and that's that's a pretty good front office down there. So I expect them, even if they were to lose Harper, I expect them to be competitive, especially yeah. with Scherzer there and Strauss. What's the nature of Victor Robles' injury? Uh, the, it supposedly it was good news, bad news, good. no structural damage, but it's going to be a couple months. Yeah, inflammation. What did he do? Infl- well, he came in in a minor league game with Syracuse to catch a ball, coming in from center field. He stuck the glove out, landed awkwardly, rolled on the wrist, the elbow, mm. and the shoulder. Oh, God. And uh, he was down for a little bit, walked off under his own power, but we just didn't know how bad it was. He had the MRI and everything else. Uh, and while no surgery at this point is needed, he's going to be out for a while. All right. Um any word on the Oriole lineup today? Uh, I, I can look real quick. I've there's an MLB ba- baseball press, I think it is, has all the MLB lineups. No. Just curious if Mancini, I'm not expecting him in the lineup, and if he is, I think it'll be his so designated hitter. That game's at 4 o'clock, right? 4.05. Yeah, 4.05. It's a little early. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little early. early. All right. uh, but we'll, we'll look at it and see whether or not we can find anything. No, uh, there is no lineup. No lineup. lineup. Okay. Um one of the things about the um, the Orioles right now, Craig, uh, getting back to, uh, you know, again, I, I just am amazed at, because I like a lot of the things I'm seeing out of management now on the PR side of things, but on the baseball side of things, I'm not seeing a concise sort of message or direction. I just found, look, we can criticize a team for a number of things, but I found... I was so excited when they signed Cobb. I just don't understand why they found it necessary to sign a guy on March 21st. I'm not saying they could have yeah. had him March 1st, <clears throat> but why they felt it was such a desperate that we've got to get him up by April 10th. I mean, he had 21 days. The other pitchers had 46, 48 right, days. Right, but that's probably dictated by, by the, the way Tillman's pitching. Wright's pitching Wright's and Cortez pitching. Yeah, pitching. and Cortez yeah. pitching. Yeah. So. Well, which gets back to look at look at where they'd be. I know it's been ugly with Cobb for two starts, but we know he's going to be fine. But I thought, but, you know. But where were they going to be if they hadn't signed Cobb? In his defense, though, Cobb's defense, yeah. I thought he threw the ball a lot better. I'm not worried about him. I'm not criticizing yeah, Cobb. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, we, we're talking about two bad starts. Yeah. I, I look for that to turn around. I think I, it'll I, I turn really around do. this next start. Yeah, I, I think, think so he'll too. give you five good innings yeah. this next start. But, you, you're, but it's you're just absolutely the, right. But the, the preparation for the season where they actually went through two months Convincing us that Tillman, Wright, Cortez, Jason Aquino, you know, that, there was just nothing there. Yeah, well, you know what? And if they were going to do that, if right. they were going to do that, I would have just assumed seeing Miguel Castro in for a couple of starts. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. So, uh, and I would actually think that, given the way I've seen, I, I guess they're not ready to to cut ties with Mike Wright, and I'll accept that. I don't think a team. 
I don't think I, actually pitching is so in demand. Somebody probably would pick him up if right. they tried to put him through waivers. But what I'm saying is, I would think he's the guy now to go to the long man role and Castro. If Tillman does not turn would, it around, would be the today, starter. Yeah, would, Castro should be the starter. Right. Uh, uh, different organizations, but yep. very similar in that. And and I made the comparison. I went. Mike Wright is the Nationals' A.J. Cole. Right. Okay, because A.J. Cole was DFA'd this week. Oh, he was? Yes, he was. And uh, they went to, they went to the minor leagues to bring up another arm for the bullpen. Did he get through? And get, uh, we don't. Well, it's only been a couple of days, okay. so we've got to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, here's a guy that gave up 10 earned runs and two innings in his first start. He was pretty solid in his second start. So he was on my fantasy team. Well, there you no, go. He no, he wasn't. <laughs> I don't play National League. <laughs> But then, but then came in in relief in the Mets game in the final game of that series, right? And the Mets came up with uh, I want to say a nine-run eighth inning, and uh, it started with Ryan Matson who gave up four of those runs, uh, but he was pitching on his third straight day. Uh, but then Cole uh, came in and gave up a grand slam to Cespedes, right? And uh, uh, that that basically got him DFA'd from the Nationals. So I mean, I think they were. This is a guy who I think you saw the stuff, you knew that the the club liked him over the course. Now that certainly waned over the course of the last couple of right. years because he has been given opportunity after. And I equated it uh, with Charlie and Dave down down who I you know helped with the radio down there. Yeah. Of this is the pitching equivalent of what happened last year with Michael Taylor, Dusty Baker. When Eaton went down, and then we, you know, they lost Michael A. Taylor for a while, uh, and and then he was able to come back. When he came back, they told Taylor, "Look, this is your job. This is your third chance. Take the bull by the horns." And he did, and run with it, and he did. Yeah. And the only thing now, I mean, he's still playing great defense. I'd like to see him get back offensively to where he was last year, say for the second half of the season. Did you like the Nationals signing of uh, Hellickson at the end of spring training? Well, yeah, you know, again, it's they'll tell yeah, you. I didn't it, like they'll it. They'll tell you. Well, but that's one of the reasons Cole's not here. Yeah, I understand that's one that. Of the, yeah, I but because that. Hellickson went out there and got into the fifth inning and yeah. he pitched well enough. And Grant, he's mm. he's in the same spot right now as uh, as Cobb is with the Orioles in terms of spring training and right. But trying he's, to work. He, but he's more along performance level, in my opinion, more like Mike Wright. Well, okay, yeah, but we'll, we'll wait time. and see what happens. Different league. Uh, he was with the Phillies for a good while, so we'll see what he brings to the Nationals. Uh, wrapping things up on the show before we take our final break and then say our goodbyes, uh, a lot of news that's come out of the Orioles on the personnel side of things seems to indicate that Brady Anderson is is helping drive this personnel bus. Uh, there has been no announcement that he's replaced Dan Duquette or even that he's Dan's boss, but it sure seems like Duquette's influence has waned and Anderson's is on the ascent. You I, notice I, that? I would agree to that. You know, and, and again, there's a lot of questions as to whether or not Dan's going to be around. Yep. I think he's probably gone after this year. I yep. think most people would agree with that. So if that happens, then, you know, is it Brady that takes over? You would have to think so. Except you keep hearing, and again, you, ha- you don't hear Brady talk about it much. Well, and you're you not keep, going to. But you keep hearing, but part of the job is if you are, and I could understand this year if he was reticent to do that, but he's got to take that 
he's got to be that guy. That man that Tom yes. Davis and Rick Dempsey are going to interview that he's on with the Gary Thorne during the broadcast. He's on 105.7. He's on shows like this or Glenn Clark. He's got to be the guy out front. And I hear how reticent he is to really want to do those tasks. And those are necessary tasks. Those are necessary tasks. Uh, however, I, I do know this. I know Brady likes to continue to work with players. I know Brady. No question about it. Uh, I, I know Brady likes to put the uniform on and looks like he could still play today. Look, they may have a discussion with Dan and say, Dan, you can still make a nice salary. You'll be the front guy. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to be the guy. The guy, or, the decision maker. Or, or you find sometimes they hire a guy like, you remember Mike Port when he got the job in Boston? He did a lot of the the waiver moves. He, he understood the rules and regulations of bringing players up and down. That doesn't seem like that's Brady's strong point. Right. No, yeah. and, it, and it's kind of like the guy in football. with he, you, you bring him in strictly to work out contracts and keep you under the cap. That's it. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, before we uh, make our uh, goodbyes, i got to tell you again about a guy we're happy to have it back on the show. Uh, not only does he help, help us pay our bills, it's our friends at Big Bats down in Ken Island. They're Ken Island's original sports bar located at 216 St. Clair Place, just over the Bay Bridge. First exit off the bridge, you come up to the stop sign. It says Stevensville. The exit says Stevensville. Make a left. Up, make a left at the stop sign, and it's about a eighth of a mile down on the right-hand side. Why should you stop there? Well, it's a little piece of baseball heaven. All the furniture in the place was built lovingly by Steve Garland, the proprietor. The, the, the bar stools are – you sit on a base. The stands are made of bats. Uh, all the kind of tables are kind of like picnic table things – with all kinds of laminated baseball cards under the lamination. First time I was in there, I got the seat without the uh, base. <laughs> so it was kind of different. So you got a bat sticking <laughs> up your <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But you go, you go to different rooms, yes. and, and it's all about memorabilia. <laughs> well, you go to the different rooms, it's all about memorabilia, though. You, you have some. And, I bet and, you remembered sitting and on themed, a bat. Themed rooms. Yes. Okay. Yes, themed uh, rooms. Right. And uh, not steam rooms, <laughs> themed rooms. Uh, but it, it's it's great play. If you love baseball, you need to go to this. And place. then you can go out on the yard, out yeah, on the deck out yeah. there. They're great out there. Uh, great burgers, great sandwiches, great salads, great soups, a great sports ambiance, and as we always like to say, a great place to watch the O's, Wizards, Caps, Nats, and NCAA lacrosse, NASCAR, Kentucky Derby, Preakness, all there at Big Bats. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dining orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka looks at the final NFL draft for Ozzie Newsom as Ravens general manager and how he's built the franchise over the last two decades. Additionally, what does the future hold for UMBC after their historic NCAA tournament win over Virginia? Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Spring into savings on a new car at Jerry's Toyota, Jerry's Chevrolet, and Jerry's Mitsubishi. Save a lot of money at Jerry's with free financing on over 800 new cars and trucks in stock. Jerry's has incredible springtime deals, like monthly payments as low as $129 a month on new Toyota RAV4s, Camrys, and Chevy Malibus and Cruises. Looking for a new SUV with third-row seating? Well, Jerry's has a great selection of models, including Toyota Highlanders, Chevy Traverses, and the Mitsubishi Outlander. If that's too much and you are shopping for a new crossover, Jerry's has great deals on new Toyota CHRs, Chevy Trax, and the all-new Mitsubishi Eclipse. Plus, right now at Jerry's, get huge savings on over 200 pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Do it. Visit Jerry's Toyota on Bel Air Road or Jerry's Chevrolet and Mitsubishi on Joppa Road and online at jerrysitsaboutyou.com. Special financing and lease payments with approved credit through dealer-designated lenders. Sale ends 4-30-18. Okay, so what do you get when you combine the Chick-fil-A Vanilla Ice Dream and their Simply Orange Juice? Well, introducing the all-new Frosted Sunrise from our friends at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. It's perfect with breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Nothing refreshes like the Chick-fil-A Frosted Sunrise. And hey, if you prefer lemon, try the Frosted Lemonade. Don't forget to think about Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square as well. For all of your catering needs, graduation parties coming up. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. I'm Jill Powell. Each day I'll bring you the latest from the floor of the Maryland General Assembly. I'll speak with the newsmakers and feature the sound that is shaping the future of Maryland. Be sure to catch the Maryland Capital Report at any time at MarylandNewsNetwork.net. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise... I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash Sports. And welcome back to the Bat Around. Craig Heist along with Stan the Fan Charles. This one's just about in the books. It sure is. Uh, by the way, an article by Rockabotko yeah. on Masson, uh, Showalter sticking with left side alignment, which I fully expected him to say. But it's been interesting. He alluded at FanFest to the thought the commitment didn't figure to come with uh, a March expiration date. Uh, you could talk about it for a long time, Showalter said before. Everybody's put a lot of thought into it. I'm not going to get into something that's going to reflect poorly on a player. I'm just not going to. Well, and he's never been one to throw players under the bus and with, without certainly talking to him. And like you said, the difference between him and maybe Callaway up in New York is the fact that Buck will always talk to the player before... Mm expressing maybe what was said to the media. Well, I think Callaway, under normal circumstances, will do the very same thing because I think it's the right thing to do. But I think in this case he was sending a message to Harvey. You're absolutely right. Yeah, no question uh, about Now, it. that said, uh, you know, we, we look at Manny at shortstop, and I, I understand he's making all the plays 
at short, then he made it third base. Some of these plays, the one in Detroit from the hole, nobody in baseball is making that throw mm -hmm. uh, to Chris Davis at first to get the runner. The play last night that bails Dylan Bundy out of the inning. A tremendous Tremendous play. plays. Yep. But you weigh that against him not being at third base – does that help your overall defense in the infield? Yeah, I and, think the and... answer is in a very clear no. Okay. That's my opinion. Okay. <clears throat> but I just don't understand the framing of that, that I'm not going to I'm not going to put a, play, a player in a position of singling him out. Why is it singling him out by saying we want Machado at third because he'll be better at third and you'll be better at short? It's a positive. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, we, can, anyway. we can tell you that Trey Mancini is not, not in the lineup. In the lineup. Craig Gentry leads off. He's in left field. Pedro Alvarez, the DH. Manny's at sh uh, shortstop. Adam Jones in center. Chris Davis at first. Beckham is your third baseman. Santander in right field. Uh, Chance Sisko behind the plate. And Luis Sardinia is playing second base with Chris Tillman on the mound. It'll be interesting to see what you get out of Chris Tillman today. 4.05 start time today at Camden Yards. Many thanks to Brittany Everett. Our thanks to Steve Garland from Big Bats, Rich Dubroff from Pressbox, PressBoxOnline.com, Hank Allen, Houston Astros Scout, Mark Fine, Director of Marketing of the New York Mets, and Mike Gibbons, uh, Director Emeritus of the Babe Ruth Birthplace. That's a wrap. For this week, uh, see you tomorrow morning at 10.30 on Inside Press Box with Gary Stein. Uh, and then I'll see you after today's game uh, with uh, after bird watching about an hour after the last pitch. That's a wrap.